0: hello welcome to the first pez podcast this is a really exciting moment we hope that these podcasts will help pez public employment services all over europe understand how they can benefit from working together and sharing experience and also we'd love everybody interested in labour markets at a european level to listen as well my name's david poyser a journalist and today I'm very excited to be talking to Johannes Kopp, who's chair of the PEZ Network and he's also head of the Austrian PES. And we'll be talking about the challenges of 2020. But before we do that, Johannes, please, can we just find out a little bit about who you are? Do You live in Vienna with your family? Yes, uh, we have three boys, uh, two small ones. And Sorry to stereotype you. Do you go skiing at the weekends,
1: that's uh, what I imagine? Normally we do snowboarding. Uh, My wife and and I, my boys are learning skiing, and uh, um, yeah, they they like to go to the Alps, of course, like the Austrians do. But this year, everything is different, I think, for all of us over Europe. Uh, But I'm situated in Vienna, and we are the Austrian Pass, which means we have about 100 regional offices uh, and yeah, are in in hard times. So there's also questioning of if there is time for go skiing. So... This is something different this year.
0: Yes, it's very sad for everybody. But first of all, um, when you became chair of the PES network, um, you said you wanted to improve the way the PES network communicates. Why do you think communicating is so important?
1: Um, I'd like to give three points to that question. Uh, First of all, I think labor market policy is important and interesting for the people. And it's not only uh, that we want to communicate to to employees of PES and PES colleagues, but also maybe to someone to the people. And someone is interested in labor market policy, unemployment, employment, jobs, changes in labor market are topics people want to know. That's the first point. So it's we really are convinced that labor market policy is interesting. Second point, labor market policy is important, and to explain to really explain how labor market works and the functioning of labor market should be also our duty, I would say. Um, I'd like to give you a very small example that that points out why this is important. Um, Many people all over Europe think right at the moment unemployment is high, this is right, and it will be rising uh, over the next month in comparison to last year. So this is also In many, many countries, this is right. So they think that it is not useful or sensible to look for a job because there is no hope now. And this is wrong. I'd like to give you a small example. Um, Think of Austria. Think of winter. Not this year, but in normal years. And you think of a chairlift. When you sit in a hut and drink a beer and you look to the chairlift, you see, I'm imagining skiing, Johannes. Yeah, that's right. That's fine. And you see many people waiting down there and you see all seats are full. And then you drink your beer and five minutes later you look again and you again see many people waiting there and all seats, uh, seats are full. And so you can think there is no use and no possibility to go up there. But this is wrong. Because every few seconds people are getting out up there. And so there are always free seats and this is how labor markets are working. Uh, every day people retire, every day people got a, got a baby, every day people change job, And even the crisis, there are vacancies, there are free jobs. And we should explain all these, I would say, sp- specialities of the labor market, all these, how the labor market is functioning. We should explain this to the people. And this is one of our, I would say, important uh, important tasks we have to do as uh, labor market experts. And the third thing, why do we also want to communicate? I mean, in our times, good communication is the basis for political influence. It's in, in fact so that we can offer expertise for, to politicians. And we want to communicate also because we want to give advice and we want to be asked when politicians... Uh, changing subsidies or policies in Europe. And so I think uh, communication is is an important uh, important point for head of PES.
0: I think it's great that you're, you're doing all this communicating with heads of government. Um, do you enjoy working at an international level? Oh, yes.
1: I, I really love it. I mean, I'm head of the Austrian PES since 2006, which is already 15 years and within these years, um, it really, I would say, we we grew together. And over the years, the network has turned something like into a best family. And the reason for that is because we all have the same challenges. We all have the same problems, these, the same aims. But we are in no competition with each other because we all have our own markets. And this is the best, uh, I would say, the best field for for having a very open exchange of best practice ideas and so on of starting to work together and it's all about getting better together and and I mean a network is successful if if the members recognize their mutual benefits and my role is to support the further development of this network and to avoid standstill so yes I l- really like to be uh, the chair of this wonderful PES family.
0: I hope your family don't mind
1: <laughs> no the time you're giving. <laughs> no, they see me happy when I'm talking about the network work and the international <laughs> work.
0: You said the international work is, is, is another family, the Pest Network family. It's been the, a terrible year, obviously, last year. Can you tell me how the Pest Network responded? At first, I would say right at the beginning, no one of
1: the heads of PES had time to think of international work. In fact, <laughs> it was too much work we had to do in our home countries. Uh, but uh, the moment there was um, yeah, just some minutes to think on the exchange of good practices on international work. And there was still, of course, the excellent secretariat in the European Commission working. At the moment, we started to exchange best practices and um, and good ideas on how to deal with such a crisis. And the moment you had time to think and step maybe one or two uh, steps behind, you you started to think about what are the others doing? So it took, I would say it took one or two weeks after the crisis started in the mid of March, where we started phone calls. I, I had I was in contact with with other peers to hear about their situation, their ideas of of dealing with that never-seen challenge before. So the PES network did some good work. We extracted some information about short-time work schemes all over Europe. Um, We we were discussing and started to discuss on how not to lose too much of the vulnerable groups. Um, We we exchanged solutions and so i would say at first there was no activity because we all were shocked and had to work in our home countries but then the network was useful
0: and that's the pest network maybe could you just say something about how individual pes reacted or how the uh the job seekers responded to the service they were getting or the employers or the people who work in the pes how they responded um
1: those heads of PES that are in charge already for for a longer time, like I am, um, have also survived the 2008-2009 crisis, and of course we learned a lot at that times. But uh, and, and also the organizational know-how uh, uh, was built up. But on the other hand, the 2020 crisis and COVID is not comparable with the year 2009. It was much deeper. Uh, there was not uh, uh, some month to prepare, and in fact we all were not really prepared for such a crisis. Um, There was, at the same time, local offices uh, needed to be closed or some open for some hours a day. Um, We had to change our service delivery to suddenly bring it uh, to the customers through digital channels. Um, Short-time work schemes were introduced in many, many countries by the PES with Enormous figures in in the crisis of 2000. To give you an Austrian example, in the crisis of 2009, we had 600 companies, 600 companies in short time work. Uh, now we have 200,000 companies last year. Uh, so this was that's amazing. Ex- Extreme, even in 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 unemployment, I, I've seen figures in Austria because of the the strong tourism sector in Austria. Within ten working days, we had an extra two hundred thousand unemployed people to register, which is for in comparison, small organization, dramatic. And now, I'm sure all of the PES, um had more dangerous situation than ever but on the other hand now looking back it was i'm very sure it was for all of us the biggest success we celebrated and because of covid there's no possibility to have a party yet but we all should have a party with our employees and colleagues to celebrate the success of the past and we had success customer satisfaction has risen in many countries um I'm really wondering, because we get love letters from some customers, from companies, but also from unemployed people, because they really felt we were there to help them out in that crisis or to help them. And we, we saved all over Europe millions of jobs with the short-term work systems or other uh, subsidies and so. So um, it's not allowed to have a party yet. And, and on the other hand... Uh, there is so much to do still that there is also no time for a party uh, because there are big challenges still on the table, uh, and we also have to do uh, hard work to when coming out of COVID. But we should stop a minute and yeah, look back happy, happily,
0: yeah. Well, if we ever have a party. Um I'm sure it'll be a wonderful party, and it's fantastic that the image of PES has gone up right across Europe. Very, very deserved. Is there any other positive side, do you think, that's come out of this awful year? Um, I mean,
1: you have to be a very optimistic guy to find something positive in COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hard. I mean, just the love it- letters. Yes, yeah. yeah never you have
0: really... that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's nice, yes, of course. But if you really try hard to find positive things, it it's clear it's the boost for digitalization of the pest services. Um, it's even a benefit for, for the pest itself, I would say, because of digitalization, because of these video conferencing uh, tools, because of getting used to these these uh, uh, tools and, and and the usage of this on a daily basis. Uh, more and more colleagues from the PES all over Europe are listening to our PES network webinars or PES network conferences or exchanges um, because it's it's normal to listen using the digital channel and um, uh, in fact um, we of course now we have to assess the impact of the crisis carefully and use the outcomes to adapt our service delivery i'm sure Some of these social distancing projects that were necessary because of the crisis will stay after COVID because we we learned a lot in the crisis and maybe one or other digital uh, consultancy giving advice to companies or so will be also digital in the future. That's an interesting point and we will have to evaluate the results.
0: The governments, in terms of the future, talk about what you just said, digitalization is the future, and they also talk about greening the economy. What do you think this might mean for individual PESs or for the PES network? I have, I think we have to discuss these two points separately.
1: First, there's this digitalization. I mean, COVID and the whole situation, the crisis made really a boost for digitalization all over the world. And this is a A positive positive point, as I said already. And everyone agrees with the idea of of digitalization and the need for an upskilling of the employed and unemployed people. And so that's easy to agree on. But it's much more difficult to agree on what concrete skills should be trained um it's the same in, in many countries in, in Europe. When you ask employers, they all say we need uh, people with digital skills. And when you then ask them, OK, which digital skills in concrete, you often get no answer. They don't know. And this, there are many reasons for it. It's the same with bringing in the economy, isn't it? Yes, but greening the economy, I would say, is a much more political topic, and should be a much more political topic. Uh, to save climate, we have to do very hard things. Otherwise, we won't save the climate. And these hard things um, would mean, for instance, to forbid certain services, to forbid certain products, to forbid maybe, or to to raise the prices in a way where people won't uh, use these products anymore and so on, or these services, which means. There will be many people that will lose their jobs Uh, and companies will be ruined. And I think we have to discuss that saving climate will only work if we find a solution for saving employment, because otherwise politicians won't be able to save the climate because the the power of people losing the job and the power of uh, opposition parties fighting for them will be too strong. So I think the role of public employment services will be much more important in the future. And so we have also to stand up and make this point clear. We need more resources. Uh, otherwise, I don't think that saving climate can be successful. Uh, looking back to digitalization, we asked about 200 employers about the concrete skills they want from their employees uh, to, to find out what. And we got really interesting and exciting results first one we found out that it's a main topic for executive training. in many many companies the executive have the weakest digital skills that's why a lot of companies have no digital strategy because they always bought some uh, know-how because they hired a nerd
0: exactly and they couldn't evaluate the
1: nerd yeah, you're right. And every department has their own IT tools. And none tool is communicating with the another tool and so on. So this was one, one point that was interesting. The second point what there are a lot of old analog skills suddenly important for employees because of digitalization. Um, think of a woman at a reception desk in a hotel, in a small hotel, a medium-sized hotel. Uh, of course, she needs new digital skills because of, for instance, I don't know, booking.com. But on the other hand, she also needs analog skills. She needs to argument in written suddenly. There is a guest writing on TripAdvisor that his room was dirty. And she has to answer and write in the minute, because otherwise many, many people would read that posting. And she has to answer. And she has to answer in a way that not only the customer, the guest, is happy then, but also the 200 other people that read the review think, or. it's still a good hotel.
0: I'm imagining you back now in the lovely Austrian mountains skiing, Johannes. No, no, there was no skiing. <laughs> With your hotel. I'm very, <laughs> well They're all said. closed, aren't they? Yeah. yeah anyway, right. but finally, that's been really interesting. Thank you so much for your, your enthusiasm. What are your hopes for future podcasts?
1: Well, I hope I hope we will be successful and successful means we can attract listeners. This is what we want. We want to reach colleagues in the past. We want to reach maybe one or two other journalists who, who is interested in our webpage and interested in, in our work, in our studies, in our um, regular pass bulletin. Maybe we find others to say, well, this podcast is so interesting, I take it with me when I go running. So I hope um, we will have good guests and good topics and can explain the functioning of the labor market And uh, yeah, also the interest we have when doing public employment Uh, service work.
0: If I was running, I would very much love to listen to you some more, and I hope we can later. I'm afraid our time's up already, but there will be a next time. I hope everybody listening found this first podcast interesting, and we hope everybody subscribes to it and recommends it to their friends and their PSs. In the next podcast, Johannes will be back with Martin Kamps from the Dutch PES and we'll be talking about future challenges facing PES. The PES podcasts are produced for the PES Network by the European Commission with technical support from Econ Institute. The technical producer is Mark Bloter. We hope you will join us next time. Thank you.